الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله كما ينبغي لجلال وجهه ولعظيم سلطانه وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله واحد أحد فرد صمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وحبيبنا وهادينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وصفيه وخليله وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فإن الله على كل شيء قدير أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters The killing machine keeps on killing the war machine keeps on bombing and the propaganda machine keeps on lying in the meantime Muslims are victims in the thousands in the tens of thousands in the hundreds of thousands dare we say in the millions between those who are being killed those who are being injured those who are being displaced and those who have been psychologically impacted by the combination of all of these schemes and forces <coughs> And when you come and think about it, and when we try to think through these issues, we think with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The rationale for today's Muslims killing Muslims, the rationale is that there are, there's a particular group of people who have a tremendous amount of money and strong international connections and relations and then they are in control of Mecca and Al Madinah <coughs> so they have a peculiar way of understanding Allah and his prophet the Quran and Islam and if someone doesn't agree with them, then they are willing to go to war if necessary. They will act in a spiteful and hateful manner before that. And then they will try to use their finances and economies after that. And then the final stage is they will roll out their military and go on these killing missions and sprees throughout the Muslim world 
So we have to take a look at their mentality. And to do that, we shelter ourselves in the words of Allah. We are guided by what Allah has to say. In Surah Ali Imran, <clears throat> there's an ayah that says, Huwa الذي أنزل عليك الكتاب منه آيات محكمات هن أم الكتاب وأخر متشابهات فأما الذين في قلوبهم زيغ فيتبعون ما تشابه منه ابتغاء الفتنة وابتغاء تأويله وما يعلم تأويله إلا الله والراسخون في العلم يقولون آمنا به كل من عند ربنا وما يذكر إلا أولو الألباب Now the long and short meaning of this ayah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made accessible to us his revealed book. Some of the information in this revealed book can be identified and defined very clearly without questions or ambiguity. Ayatun muhkamat hunna ummul kitab. These are these very pronounced, very clear in meaning, very consensual interpretations of them these are the source of this book these are the foundations of the Quran but then Allah Azza wa Jal says وَأُخَرُ مُتَشَابِهَاتِ there are other ayat revealed in this book that have similar meanings or that have corresponding meanings and so some of these ayat in the Quran as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us they tolerate our best understanding of them even though our best understanding of them may not be identical they can't be conflicting but they cannot be identical they cannot be conflicting but they cannot be identical Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and he says of himself, Laysa kamithlihi shaykh. There is nothing that resembles him. Laysa kamithlihi shaykh. In another ayah, he says, La tudirikuhu al absar, wa huwa yudiriku al absar. No vision is capable of comprehending him and he comprehends all visions of humans, of course, and others. This ayah in Surah Al-An'am. So here we come. This, uh, now, this up until now seems like, okay, so what's the fuss? How do people make a killing issue out of trying to understand these ayat. Here's where we come to the ayat that tolerate our different understanding. This is the this is the issue that we have not come to grips with. We as Muslims in the world, we could not come to grips with the fact that Allah has given us the latitude after exerting our best effort 
to understand him in different but not conflicting ways. So here we come to some ayat that, and I'm going to be upfront with you, those Salafis and Wahhabis and their likes, these are the ayat that they make a killing, <coughs> a killing issue out of. Literally, if you don't understand these ayat that I'm going to quote in a minute, if you don't understand these ayat the way they understand them, then you have become their target. You have become their victim. You have become their rationalization for a war against you. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in an ayah that everyone should be familiar with, Yadullahi fawqa aydihim. The literal translation of that is Allah's hand is over or above or superior to their hand. Yadullahi fawqa aydihim. Now, if some Muslim, we have this, we have to live with it. Some Muslims understand this. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying Yadullah, Allah's hand, that literally means Allah's hand. Some of them are educated enough and refined enough to say his hand is not like the hand that we understand. It's not a hand with five fingers. It's not a hand like the human hand or any other hand that we know, it's a hand of his, but we just don't know what it is, how it is. Okay, that's an understanding, fine. If some Muslims, that's, the, that's their capacity of understanding this word, Alhamdulillah, we wish them more capacity to understand it better. Other Muslims will tell you, the word hand here, even though technically and literally speaking, the word yad means hand in a technical and literal way. But it also could mean force or power. The nature of the language. This is not something that someone is trying to force upon the language. The language itself before the Qur'an was revealed denoted that in instances saying the word hand does not mean literally the hand, it means some force, some power. So in this ayah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying Yadullahi fawqa aydihim He means Allah's power and force trumps their power and force overwhelms them, overpowers them. That's another understanding of this ayah. Now, why should we have some Salafi Wahhabi come to any Muslim? And the Muslim is trying to understand Allah with the best that Allah has given him in brain power and in spiritual power. So if some Muslim understand, why do you make this an issue of hostility? Oh, you don't understand it my way? I'm going to kill you because you are not understanding the Qur'an correctly. But this is what's happening. Another ayah in reference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبِ فَأَيْنَمَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ and to Allah belongs the east, the direction of the east and the direction of the west. So in whichever direction you orient yourself, you will find the literal word, the face of Allah. Now, if some people want to understand the face, whether it is in the educated sense, not the face that humans have, Allah doesn't have a human face. But there are other more, let's say, calcified Salafis, Stone Age Salafis, 
They say, no, when Allah says a face, He means the same face that you know in your mind. When you look at a human being, you see a face. If that's the way you understand the face, then that is transmitted to Allah and He has a face, just like humans have a face. We can make room for that. We who think through Allah's words and meanings, we can make room for ignorance or for partial understanding. But those who have ignorance and partial understanding cannot make room for those who understand meaning in that direction, whichever direction you face, eastward or westward or however direction it is, you will find the glory of Allah. Because, or the expression of Allah, or the reflection of Allah, because these are some of what the, the character of Allah subhanahu because this is what the face denotes. You have expressions on your face, you have acknowledgments through your face, etc. It's not the literal face that has eyes and ears and nose and these things in it. Why should this become an issue to, to hate other Muslims and then go from there, accuse other Muslims and then go beyond that and kill other Muslims? Haram! But this is what's happening in the real world. So what we have. Another ayah in the Quran refers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Surah Fussilat. ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى إِلَى السَّمَاءِ وَهِيَ دُخَانٌ فَقَالَ لَهَا وَلِلْأَرْضِ اِئْتِيَا طَوْعًا أَوْ كَرْهًا قَالَتَا أَتَيْنَا طَائِعِينَ The word is the, the ayah here is referring to Allah Jalla Jalaluhu that he has taken a uh, a position in the celestial sphere and he while it was while it was a form of smoke and he said to it to the heavens to the spheres above and he said to the earth Come, either voluntarily or by force, either willfully or against your will. They said, we have come obediently. The word here in this ayah that, that becomes a matter of war by the fanatics is the word istawa. Then he, in reference to Allah, istawa. The people who have a literalist understanding say that he sat down. Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala, sat down. The word jalasa means sit down. Not the word istawa. But they haven't thought through. They haven't distinguished between synonyms. They haven't contextualized words. They've done no, no mental homework at all. And then they turn around and they say, you Muslim, who's given it a little thought, you are a kafir because you don't understand the ayah the same way I understand it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of us knows I think and I hope. Ayatul Kursi, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al hayyul qayyum. And in this ayah, Al Kursi is mentioned. And so the literalist wants us to understand it something like it is a chair or it is a throne. And if you don't understand it the way they understand it, woe unto you. Because they're going to declare war against 
your kafir understanding of the Quran. Wa na'udhu billah. The ayah in the Quran says, وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ وَنَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَسْوِسُ بِهِ نَفْسُهُ وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ We have created this social being and we know the details of his internal thoughts, his whisper in himself. And we are closer to him than his jugular vein. So the understanding of these primitives who are still Muslims, we're not crazy like them. If you disagree with their understanding, then we're going to say you're a kafir. No. Even though there are some individuals like that. That's not the case. So they come to this ayah and they come to another hadith. There's a hadith by Allah's Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, says that if a Muslim is praying and either a dog or a donkey or a woman passes in front of him then his salah or her salah are invalidated it's a hadith of course you can approach this hadith from many angles and this is one of the areas that has been that has become an institutionalized and a traditionalized prejudice against women to put women at the level of a dog and a donkey but anyways they say that even though they read the Quran but they don't think about what they're reading this ayah وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that he's closer to us than our jugular vein he's with us He's beside us, he's in us, he's above us, he's before us, he's after us, he's everywhere. So how how can it, if he's inside of me and some object passes by me, whatever the object is, how is that going to sever the connection between me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? But once again, we have people who do not think and the problems that we now are carrying on our shoulders is because of the ignorance that comes from non-thinking Muslims. Here I want to um, mention to you something that happened in real life. In 1978, a conference took place in Cairo to which many Muslim scholars from around the world were invited. And this conference had the objective of diminishing, if not terminating, al-madhahib al-Islamiyyah, the Islamic schools of thought. Obviously, you know where this is coming from. It's coming from the Salafi Wahhabi mentality. Probably they've, they sponsored it and they paid for it and all of this and probably a couple of hundred of these scholars attending. And most of them are from the different Islamic schools of thought, Sunni Islamic schools of thought. And there were three reported, there were three Shi'is in attendance. One of them was from Afghanistan, the other was from Iran, and the third one who is relaying this, his family comes from Iraq. So they were discussing the issue of the Shi'is and how they have a manifest 
understanding of the Qur'an or an obvious explanation of the meanings of the Qur'an and then they have a concealed understanding of the Qur'an tafsir zahiri and tafsir batini and the discussions were going back and forth that because the Shi'is have a tafsir batini now this is a type of derogatory choice of words used by scholars who should know better they said they we cannot consider them in our family of Muslims so to speak meaning these Shi'is they're a group of people who are outside the pale so this person who is relaying this event said to them okay how do you want Muslims to understand the Quran you want to, uh, the Muslims to understand the Quran literally they said yes exactly as the word what the word means that's the way we want Muslims to understand the Quran so he was brave enough to point to the Mufti of the Saudis who was attending the conference at that time he was a blind person he has passed away may Allah have have mercy on his soul and forgive him his trespasses he said then why do you invite a scholar like him this Shia scholar pointed to the Mufti of the Saudis attending the conference said why do you invite this person to a conference like this when this person is in hell and then the commotion erupted what are you saying what do you mean what is all of this about aren't you courteous enough to other scholars and I said no 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 I'm just accepting what you just said if we take the Quran literally like you're saying then this blind person among us is doomed in the world to come and he quoted the ayah from the Quran which if understood literally like they were propagating then this person would be in hell the ayah says man kana fi hadhihi a'ma فَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ أَعْمَى وَأَضَلُّ سَبِيلًا Whoever is blind in this world This is the ayah is saying Whoever is blind in this world Is blind in the world to come In Al-Akhirah, the final world وَأَضَلُّ سَبِيلًا And is more deviant Than was the case in this world this demonstrates whether you're going to take the word literally a'ma meaning you can't see you're blind or whether you, the blindness here is in reference to you not being able to visualize through all of the capacity that Allah has given you not only your eyes but all of your senses all of your parasenses visualize the facts that are coming to you from Allah another instance that demonstrates to us the inaccuracy of these people who want to impose their understanding on others there was a uh, famous traveler in the Muslim world way back about 800-900 years ago. His name was Ibn Battuta. He comes from Morocco. He traveled throughout the Muslim world from land to land and culture to culture. And he wrote his observations for future generations one of the incidents that he came across when he was in Damascus he went to Damascus Dimashq he attended the uh, the masjid there there was a 
an imam giving the sermon, giving a speech from the minbar. And that preacher on the minbar happened to be Ibn Taymiyyah, the famous Salafi Wahhabi reference scholar. And this is what Ibn Battuta heard Ibn Taymiyyah say from the minbar. I'm quoting. Inna Allah yanzilu ila sama'i dunya kanuzuli hatha. Allah descends to the sky of the world the same way I am descending. وَنَزَلَ رَبْعَةً مِنْ رَبْعِ الْمِنْبَرِ Ibn Taymiyyah descended, went down one-fourth of the minbar, which may have been two or three steps, depending on how many steps there are on that minbar. In the audience, in the congregation, there was a Maliki faqih, a scholar from the Maliki school of thought, known by Ibn al-Zahra, who took issue with him. He said, no, what you are saying is not correct and accurate. And then all of a sudden, the congregation, this is, the, this is what happens when you have congregations like this that are not disciplined to think. When they heard this Maliki scholar object to Ibn Taymiyyah, all of a sudden they rushed to him, to the Maliki scholar, Faqih, and they physically abused him to such a degree that his amama fell off his head. This, this type of explanation that Ibn Taymiyyah was giving that Allah descends as a human descends is reminiscent of what someone will find in the Bible, in Genesis. Genesis 11:5. The Lord came down to the city and the tower that were being built by the children of Adam. We're not saying Ibn Taymiyyah was studying the Torah or the Talmud or these type of things. No. But there seems to be some input from Yahud into the books of Hadith and the books of Fiqh that have taken their toll even on scholars like Ibn Taymiyyah. What do you do when you come across a Hadith? What do we Muslims do when we come across a hadith that says, and I'm quoting this, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمَّا أَرَادَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ نَفْسَهُ خَلَقَ الْخَيْلِ When Allah wanted to create, this is a hadith. The hadith is in the book narrated by Abu Al-Hasan Al-Ahwazi Al-Hanbali and his book is called As-Sifat the attributes, meaning the attributes of Allah. And that quote was further quoted in another book by another Salafi shaykh from Morocco called Abdul Rahman al-Maghrawi. His book is called Masadir al-Aqidah al-Salafiyya, the references of the Salafi Aqidah. And that book was prefaced by one of the quote-unquote famous scholars in Salafi Saudi Arabia, Abdullah ibn Jabreen. Now this is the hadith, once again. When Allah look to this. When Allah wanted to create himself, he created horses. 
And then he caused these horses to gallop and run until they began sweating, perspiring. Allah took that sweat and that perspiration and he created himself from it. Now you tell me our books of hadith, do they not need, do they not beg, do they not cry out for Muslims who are in control of their faculties to come and filter this nonsense out of it? Even with all of this, we maintain that these people who are saying these types of things are still Muslims. They are not kafirs, as far as we can tell. They probably in some instances come close to it, but they are not kafirs. In our capacity to accommodate them they are the ones who, because we are in a stretch of time in which they have money, they have resources, they have connections, they have almost everything a worldly person would want. And they are saying those who disagree with them are kafirs. We refer the issue to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahu yaqulu al-haqq wa huwa yahdi sabil Udu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa antum muqinuna bil ijabah وَتُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَوَّابٌ رَحِيمٌ الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear brothers, committed Muslims and dear sisters This land of Arabia needs either a major effort by the committed Muslims in the world to cleanse it of the regime that rules with an iron fist or it needs Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's interference like he interfered when there was an attempt to destroy the Kaaba Am al-Fil the year of the elephant, the year our prophet was born, he interfered. One way or the other, that land beckons that interference. Today, the 21st of April, in the common calendar, there's a call in the social media for the people in that kingdom to assemble after Asr prayers. Of course, Asr prayers has already been, there's about seven hours difference between us and them. Asr prayers has already lapsed. We don't know what happened. This call came out today and yesterday and before in their social media for people to congregate in certain places in five cities in that kingdom and in the other towns and cities in the main square. We doubt, I doubt, that much of this is going to happen because the people there have been mentally enslaved, psychologically, ins they're slaves. Psychologically, they are slaves and mentally they are slaves. What do they want? What is this type of movement trying, asking for? The first thing they are asking for is to tell 
the regime in Arabia stop selling Aramco. The regime there is going in a bankruptcy direction. They're running out of money, so they're beginning to auction off and to sell shares in their revenue generate. And what do they have? Much of them. The only thing they have is the oil. And the mother of all companies there is Aramco. So this movement wants the government in Arabia to stop selling its revenue generating oil enterprise. It's also asking for the people for this unemployment rate to go away. Find more jobs for our people. They want independent courts, not kangaroo courts. They want, because in the past year or more, some employees have been stripped of some of their benefits, some of the bonuses, some of the extra pay that comes with their job. They want that to return. They want a constitutional monarchy. They want a parliament that is elected by the people. This has been, in previous months and years, there's been attempts to have people move in a direction that will place decision makers in the dock of responsibility. There were calls previously for general strikes throughout the kingdom. Didn't work. There was a campaign of people covering their faces, going out in public and calling for the prisoners, there's around 30,000 prisoners of conscience in Bilad al-Haramayn. What did they do? What was their crime? The only thing they did was raise their voice, wanting justice. And then this son of the king who shovels around the world putting together an alliance against Muslims of self-determination he bought a yacht and how did he buy it? he took the money from the treasury of the, of the people and they're calling on him to pay for his own yacht These Saudis who make a big Saudis, Salafis, call them whatever you want. At the end of the day, they are responsible for the for where we are now. They make a big issue about visiting the graves of virtuous people. They make an issue out of that. It's haram, it's kufr, it's shirk. To go to a grave and read the Fatiha. Recently, there was a referendum in Turkey. Erdogan ran a referendum there. After he won the votes, he went to visit five graves. The grave of Abu Sahabi Abu Ayyub al Ansari. This was a Sahabi from the time of Allah's Prophet. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his forever. He was an old man and he, he went from the Arabian Peninsula until he reached what is today Istanbul. And he died there and his grave is there. And he is visited by concerned Muslims. And so Erdogan the president of Turkey went to that grave. Did we hear anything from the Saudi officials, from the Wahhabi loudmouths? 
He didn't only go to Abu Ayyub al-Ansari's grave. He went also to the grave of Muhammad al-Fatih. This was the one who liberated what was called Constantinople and made it Istanbul. After that, he went to the grave of Turgut Ozal. He was a previous prime minister who was killed. He also went to the grave of Adnan Menderis. In the Turkish context, Adnan Menderis was like Musaddiq in the Iranian context. He went to the grave of Najmuddin Arbakan, who is considered to be the father of the contemporary Islamic movement in Turkey and one time the mentor of Erdogan. Okay, if you are, if you say this is bid'ah and this is dhalala and this is shirk and this is kufr, you say it on us, the average person, the poor, simple person who goes to these places, but if he's a prime minister, you shut up. The Saudi king went to Indonesia just the other week. And the Indonesians received him like no other dignitary in their history. Even the president of Indonesia had his umbrella. When the king landed in Indonesia, it was raining hard. And the president of Indonesia held his umbrella over the king's head. And they brought in all the maximum entourage to honor the protocols of receiving a head of state. And then that king goes from Indonesia to China. And then after he leaves and goes back to his kingdom, it turns out he signed con the king and his advisors they signed a contract of about seven billion dollars with Indonesian ventures businesses enterprises corporations etc but when the king went to China he signed contracts for 65 billion dollars the president of Indonesia was upset. There wasn't a Saudi head of state who visited Indonesia for the past 47 years. He was expecting with all of this warm hospitality that that king would be more forthcoming towards Muslims in Indonesia than non-Muslims in China. But that wasn't the case. And in the past couple of weeks, there was this attack on churches in Egypt by the human creatures that have been poisoned by Salafi and Wahhabi notions. Why don't those who are against terrorism, why don't they go to the source, go to Saudi Arabia itself and tell them to their face, in their eyes, if you finance terrorists, you're gone. But no one says such a thing. Why? Is there a larger scheme here unrolling? And these armies that are killing Muslims left and right. I will quote one of the ideologues in the last century of Islam who gave his life. He said, these Arabian armies that you see with your own eyes, they are not for the defense of Islam and the Muslims. They are meant to kill you and to kill your children and your women. And there's not going to be one bullet against the imperialists and the Zionists. Words of truth, Words of foretelling. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah. 
وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا وسعت كل شيء رحمة وعلما فاغفر للذين تابوا واتبعوا سبيلك وقهم عذاب الجحيم ربنا وأدخلهم جنات عدن التي وعدتهم ومن صلح من آبائهم وأزواجهم وذرياتهم إنك أنت العزيز الحكيم ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا افتح بيننا وبين قومنا بالحق وأنت خير الفاتحين ربنا صل على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة because of the traffic pattern, some of us live far away. Um, we will try to begin next beginning next week. The instead of the Jumu'ah khutbah beginning at two o'clock, we will try to make it begin at one thirty, a half hour earlier. So if you would leave your home at a particular time. Make an effort.